This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. There are so many choices when it comes to selecting the right financial institution. Start with the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. We're right here in your city. We're also the official credit union of Temple University, and anyone who lives, works, worships, and studies in Philadelphia can open an account with convenient locations throughout our city of brotherly love. Also online at pfcu.com with free online and mobile banking. We're not here for our profit, here for yours. Federally insured by NCUA. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. An Odyssey station. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. This is Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. It's good news in real estate. If you're a homeowner, if you're selling a home, or perhaps purchasing a home or vacation property, welcome to our home. It's good news in real estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Your hosts for the next radio hour, the mortgage mom, Deanne Kitsaris, along with real estate veteran and owner-operator of the Philadelphia Real Estate Class. Mark Cumberland. Your real estate education starts right now. It's good news in real estate. Presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. All right. Good afternoon. Get ready to laugh and learn here on Good News in Real Estate on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm Mark Cumberland, along with my co-host, the mortgage mom, Deanne Katsaris. How are you, Deanne? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you? I'm very good. And we're excited to be here every Saturday at 1 o'clock on WPHT Talk Radio 1210 number one talk station in Philly. If you want to ask us a question about mortgages, residential, commercial real estate, whatever, give us a call. My number is 267-266-5501. What's your number, Deanne? My number is 609-605-7153. And we are the only real estate show in the Philly market, and we're here to keep you informed because the media does not talk about real estate because it's good news and they don't like good news. <laughs> and you can listen to this show and past shows at our website, goodnewsandrealestate.com, and also at WPHT's website. So what's coming up today? So coming up on today's show, Mark, we have the market report. We got one for you. We have our business tips with Asking Dr. A. Continuing series, yes. We also have Mark's funny story. Got a long one for you today. And we have our mortgage <laughs> topic. Which is what? Tackling the three top misconceptions about home loans. That's a good one. It is a good one. We also have our questions. How much earnest money should be requested from a potential buyer with a contract? The next question is, can you start the mortgage process before two years out of a Chapter 7 bankruptcy? Next question is, should you should you accept an overpriced listing <laughs> in today's market? All right. The next question is, we found we bought a house from the seller and he is carrying the note for five years. Now we want to refinance it. What should we do? You should refinance it. And Mark, our topic of the day is generational disruption. Yes. That sounds interesting topic. And like an interesting topic as well. But first, give us your motivational quote. And the motivational quote is in a world that's changing really quickly, the only strategy that is guaranteed to fail is to not take any risk. So you got to take some risk or nothing's going to happen. So get in the game. <laughs> Very good. Good quote. So where are we at? So, Mark, we are up to the market report. And there is the bell. So the first quarter of 20, 
2022 saw more market reach double-digit annual price gains in the previous quarter, according to the National Association of Realtors. 70% of 185 measured metros experienced such price gains, up from 66% in the preceding quarter. These increases come as median single-family existing home prices rose at a faster national rate of 5.7% from a year ago. That's a big, you know, that 5% on a $500,000 house, you're talking some money. Yeah, for and sure. And that's up from, that's up from 386200 in comparison. The year over year pace in prior quarters was 14.3%. Notably, the South made up 45% of single family existing home sales in the first quarter and notched double digit price appreciation of 20.1%. That's crazy. That's 2003 numbers. Mm. I remember that. Meanwhile, the Northeast saw a climb of 6.7% and the Midwest 8.5% and the West was 5.9%. Prices throughout the country have surged for the better part of two years, including in the first quarter of 22. Given the extremely low inventory that we've been talking about for a few years here, but now we're in uncharted waters, we're unlikely to see price declines. But appreciation should slow in coming months. I don't know about that one. Yun, mm. uh, the guy from the National Association Realtors, his prediction is based on expectation of further supply for the upcoming quarter, citing that the beginning of the first quarter registered a record low amount of inventory. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> he ex- he expects more pullback in housing demand as mortgage rates take a heavier toll on affordability. And there's no indications that rise rates will will ease at any time soon. And this whole tinkering with the rates thing is really bugging me because they keep raising the rates, think it's going to do an inflation, and it's not doing anything to inflation. Complicating these twin goals of tackling inflation and recalibrating the job market is that the Fed must do it all without causing businesses to lay people off or triggering a recession. But this all tri- the, this is all teeing up for a recession. Well, here's Everything's the problem. Everything's aligning. The, the Fed has an uneven record of raising rates to cool down the economy just enough. Many economists point only to 1994 when the Fed managed to hike interest rates and slow growth without causing the economy to contract altogether. History has often gone the other way. Since 1961, the Fed has launched nine cycles of rate hikes to combat inflation. Recessions followed eight out of the nine. Yeah, and they and we're they yeah. say we're so that means eight out of nine times they were wrong. Eight out of nine times they were wrong by raising rates. That's what that means. So here they are tinkering with this guy in the White House. That can't even figure when the speech ends, and we're giving it another try. So eight out of nine times since 1961, the Fed raised rates to combat inflation, and it didn't work. So why do they think it's going to be different now? You know, what's what's going to be different this time? Maybe there will be a time when it's different, but there's always there's always a danger in that. So Pointing back to 1994 as an example, the one that worked out of the nine 
the other eight that didn't. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I like, like, why don't we just flip a coin or something, you know? Jeez, Louise. Yeah, it's crazy. So the Fed would be hard-pressed to cut inflation without causing consequences to the job market. The only thing they're sure would work to lower inflation is increasing the unemployment rate, uh, creating jobs, cutting regulations, cutting taxes. Oh, that would definitely work. <laughs> God forbid. But they're, they're, yeah, but they're not going to do that. No, they're going to take they're going to take a eight out of nine shot that raising rates are going to work. Right. It's like throwing a dart. Yeah, it's really brutal. So tell us about the rates. So the rates, um, your 30-year conventional right now is about 5.375 on a 30-year fixed. Your 15-year is at 4.75%. And your 30-year FHA has broken the threshold of 5%. Yeah. So let's so. raise it some more and take a shot and see if something works. I mean, that's what they're doing. Why don't you just spin the wheel? Let's give that wheel another spin. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and Mark, you know, the other thing that um, Philadelphia just did, um, they just came out with their Philly First grant. So they are offering first-time homebuyers up to $10,000 towards closing costs or a maximum of 6%, whatever's lower, um, of the sale price. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, they, they, they send out this grant. Everybody enrolls for it. They have to take a home buying class. They have to get a certificate. And they have to, have to, have to do it before they go under contract. So you can't go under contract and then apply for this first-time homebuyer's grant. And how um, much are they putting into this program and how many grants will there be? Yeah, they, unfortunately, I won't know that until Tuesday. Um, that's when they're going to launch the webinar that I'll be a part of it. I mean, regardless, they're going to run out of money for sure. So. Yeah. And the only thing, the only downside to this, well, there's a couple downsides, but the one downside is let's say somebody gets the grant and they have $10,000, their rates at five and a half percent. And now a year from now, or even two years from now, we want to refinance them because the rates became lower. Right. They're going to have to pay that $10,000 back. Right. So if they Unless don't have they enough stay, equity. What, five years. Yeah. They don't have, if they don't have enough equity in the property to refinance, if that appraisal doesn't come back $10,000 higher, they're going to literally have to pay cash out of their pocket to do that. And what's the income levels on this grant? The grant um, for one person is $73,000. So they've definitely um, upped the grant a little bit. Again, there's more details to come out. I have a whole flyer on it. I haven't right. had a chance to read all the fine print, but um, 73,000. So anyway, so if you have any questions on it, give me a call at 609-605-7153. And they're from the government and they're here to help. <laughs> all right. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, all positive all the time. We'll be right back. On behalf of the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, we hope you're enjoying Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland. The Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Hi, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHD, all positive, all the time. So where are we at, Deanne? So, Mark, we are up to your funny story. Now, I got one. This one's about a couple of duck hunters that you got to visualize this story. This was a true story. 
So him and his friend, they go duck hunting in the winter. Like I, like I go to my place on the lake and all the lakes are frozen. These two guys go out on the lake with their guns, their dog. And of course the brand new truck because the lakes are that thick. They drive out on the lake on the ice and they get ready. Now they want to make some kind of a natural landing area for the ducks so they can put the decoys in to float, right? So in order to, uh, in order to make a hole that big, so the ducks would be flying around and come down to land, it's going to take a little more effort than just drilling a, a little hole like to stick your rod in. Right. So out of the back of the navigator comes a stick of dynamite. And uh, <laughs> these rocket scientists have got a plan. So uh, they take this stick of dynamite and they put a long fuse on it, 40-second fuse. Now these two rocket scientists, they don't take into consideration – you know, where they want to place the stick of dynamite because they want it far oh away God. enough that, you know, they can get away from them and the brand new Navigator truck. So they don't want to take any risk of slipping on the ice. So when they run away from the dynamite and they lit the fuse and, and possibly go up in smoke resulting with the blast. So they light the 40 second fuse and they throw the dynamite as far away as they can. Remember a couple sentences back, I mentioned the vehicle, the guns, and the dog. (laughs) Let's talk about the dog. This dog is a highly trained Labrador retriever used for retrieving ducks, especially well-trained at retrieving things thrown by the owner. So you guessed it. The dog takes off at a high rate of doggy speed on the ice, captures the stick of dynamite with the burning 40-second fuse. Oh, my God. About this time. The two men are yelling and screaming and waving their arms at the dog. And like the dog thinks they're cheering him on. So he keeps running. One of the guy grabs a shotgun and shoots above the dog. Shotgun's loaded with number eight bird seeds, so it's not hard, big enough to hurt the dog. But the dog stops for a moment, slightly confused, but continues on. They take another shot, this time over the dog, still standing, but he comes really confused. And, of course, terrified, thinking these two geniuses have gone insane. So the dog takes off to find cover and runs and slides oh, under the new Navigator truck. God. The men that continue to run, as yell as they run away. The exhaust pipe was still hot. Luckily, it hits the dog. The dog yelps, drops the dynamite under the truck, and takes off after his master. And then, boom, the truck is blown to bits, sinks to the bottom of the lake in a very large hole, leaving the two idiots standing there with this, I can't believe this to us happened, look on their face. The insurance company says sinking a vehicle in a lake by eagle loose of explosives is not covered. He had still yet to make the first payment on his 560 a month payment on his brand new Navigator. So when you thought you had a bad day, (laughs) that was a good one. Oh, my God. That is a good one. So now is the time for the Mortgage Mom segment with Deanne Katsaris from Green Tree Mortgage. And her topic is tackling the three top misconceptions of a home loan. That is correct. Um, And then I'm going to go over just if we have enough time, I'm just going to give you a little bit more information on the grant mark. Um, because I pulled up the flyer. So anyway, so tackling the top three misconceptions about home loans. So if you've gone online and and you've looked for information about buying a home or getting a home loan, you've probably noticed that there is a ton of information out there. Um, You're also probably won't be surprised to hear that a lot of it is not true. 
So over the years, a lot of information has been spread about home buying and home loans. And let's take a look at some of the top misconceptions about home loans. The first one is that uh-huh. renting is cheaper than buying. Principal, huh? That's a big it's time. It's a big myth. time myth. So principal and interest, taxes and insurance, repairs, improvements. There's a lot you have to pay for when you own a home that you won't pay for when renting. But how does all of this actually stack up to renting? So as of this writing, a $200,000 home in August, I'm sorry, in Augusta, Georgia, would cost roughly about $1,300 per month. Now, out of that $1,300 per month, roughly $250 per month is going towards the balance of the loan. So when you make a payment, you have principal and you have interest. So this is going to be considered the principal. And that's what's going straight to equity, which means that's the money you get to keep when you sell the home and pay off the loan. And as time goes on, more and more of that payment goes to equity. Since that 250 per month goes into equity, it's not the same as a cost. Right. It's the homeowner's money. It's just liquid, meaning it's just not liquid. It means it can't be touched until the, ha- the home is actually sold. So the actual cost each month is more like 1050 So for a 200000 right. one can easily find a three-bedroom home. And compare this to an example apartment. So a popular apartment in the same area rents for a three-bedroom apartment, rents for about $1,425 per month. Now, quick question. That's cheap compared to Philly. It is cheap, right. Augusta, Georgia. So a quick question. How much of this rent is going to be equity? Zippo. Now, if you said zero, right? If you said zero, you've thought about this already. Now ask yourself a follow-up question. What's the likelihood that the rent payment is going to go up next month or even next year? Uh, Probably 80%. (laughs) Okay, you're being gracious. So, all right. So now repairs. Repairs will be a factor with homeownership. But if you properly set aside the money you'd otherwise hand over to the landlord, it's not a big issue. Bonus savings are possible if you're handy. This is my favorite. You'll need a large down payment. I was surprised to find that some customers I've worked with think they still need to save up 20% to put down on a home. Yep. You know, while I applaud the savers who do come up with the 20% to avoid the private mortgage insurance, there's different ways to get rid of the mortgage insurance, but most borrowers in our market put 5% or less down. And it's all about the loan programs. Right. FHA, conventional, VA, and USDA, those loans are available from just about any reputable lender. The loan type you choose will determine how much down payment is required. Now, the U.S. Department of Agriculture has a rural development loan. Say that four times fast which is called USDA, and that's available at 100% financing. And that's basically to promote the development of those rural areas. So after they develop them, they're no longer rural, and now they have to put money down. Right. <laughs> so 
The loan is lo- is location based, so large metro areas will not have this loan available. So there's also an income cap. So if you make too money, too much money, this isn't going to be an option either. You just remember that the USDA is a loan, and they are not the lender. So you would go through your your regular right. lender. Um, the VA offers 100% financing, and this loan is limited to veterans or those that are in active duty. Um, we've talked about the FHA loan many, many times, and that's three and a half percent down. And your conventional loan is more is a more flexible product. Um, it has down payments as low as three percent. Um, it tends to have more benefits for people with stronger credit, and credit and rates, you know, are also backed by the government. So your VA, your FHA, and your USDA, um, they have strict credit requirements. So now we're talking to the forty-eight percent of Philadelphians that are renting. Forty-eight percent. Yeah. Now, now you know in Philly, an average one bedroom now is seventeen hundred a month citywide. It's insane. So, so if you got a two bedroom in Fishtown, you're probably paying over two grand. And, no doubt. And, and you're not no ever doubt. getting any of that money back ever, ever. Yeah, and you know you have to focus. I mean, people don't know what the rate if, that the rates are high now because they never bought a house. No. So if Uncle Harry's telling them, you know, that the rates are high. You know, it depends how old he is because he might have might have bought his first home when he when they were at eighteen percent. Yep, Carter right? was or, present. I locked in at thirteen. I oh talked God. to uh, yeah. uh, your title clerk. He bought his first. He he, he locked in at nineteen percent, and he was happy. Yeah, because he got a house. <laughs> yeah, so that was in the eighties. That was in the eighties. In the eighties, I'm going to run out of time, so I'm going to save this grant information. Um, for next week. There's a lot of information and I'll go over it with it, but have any questions on the programs, give me a shout. 609-605-7153. All 48% of renters in Philadelphia called Deanne at her number. <laughs> and I guarantee you a third of you can buy if you only had a plan. If you right. only had a plan. I was that just thinking that. sounded like that, something that, out of Wizard of Oz. It, I, it just <laughs> popped into my head too. <laughs> All right, you ready for the questions, or we're going to take a no, break? No, we'll take a break. All, All right. right, so that was a good topic, and we'll finish that next week because there's more info there. Yes. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on 1210 WPHT, all positive all the time. We'll be right back. Deanne and Mark are halfway through this week's edition of Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. When the show returns, more real estate news from around the Delaware Valley. All right. Welcome back to Good News from Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD, all positive all the time. So are we at the end? So, Mark, we are up to our questions and answers. So what's the first question? So the first question is, how much earnest money should be requested from a potential buyer with a contract? Earnest money is the money that this is where people get confused. They think it's part of down payment. And it might go towards the down payment, but, you know. It goes to the general. The, legally, the whole, the legally, you don't have to put any money down. But the crazy agents out there all think that, you know, it looks better if you put money down. Now, if I'm buying a million dollar house and I show my bank statements and I got a million dollars in the bank, 
Do I have to put down any money? No. Like I shared in my bank statement, I could buy this house tomorrow. But these agents, for whatever reason, it's like they do the same thing over and over and over. They always expect like some money. Most agents put down a couple grand, but that's, it used to be a rumor. You should put down 10% of the purchase price. Like why? Like if you don't get the loan, it doesn't matter. But uh, there is no... How much should be requested? It's according to who you, what age, crazy agent you talk to. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I did a house, $800,000 sale. My guy put a grand down. He was good to buy. There was no problems. It was just a matter of good faith. That's all. That's so exactly th- right. That's all it is. But technically, legally, the contract is binding enough. You don't have to put any money down. The contract is binding enough. You signed a contract that's supposed to hold up in front of your honor that you're going to buy this house. What's the next one? All right. So the next question, Mark, can you start the mortgage process before two years out of a chapter seven bankruptcy? And the answer to that is you can start collecting all of your documents, but you actually have to wait for two years for the date of discharge on an FHA loan and a VA loan. So can't run your credit, um, shouldn't really be shopping. You should really wait until the discharge date has been two years. What's Uh, the difference between a seven and a 13? The 13, you can do it one year out of the, one year out of payout must elapse. So in a chapter 13, you're repaying all of that debt. Right. With the chapter seven, it's been forgiven. So the, and the time frame is different. Now, when you're looking at a conventional loan on the bankruptcies, it's four years from the date of discharge. So on a seven? Yes. Or, or, yeah. Yep. On a seven, it it's on? four years. And the chapter and 13 what? is two years. Two years. Yeah. So you just can't close. You can't close from two years from the date of discharge. And you want to make sure that the credit is good as well, that there's no more lates or no more collections. All right. Next question. Should you be accepting an overpriced listing? Of course. But like if, if but if, if it's if it's too <laughs> overpriced and I seen an open house, he actually the news uh actually did a story on real estate. I saw they were at an open house and the cars were lined up down it was I, I it was somewhere in the northeast. The cars were lined up down the street and there was a long line like they're waiting to get into a movie. To go in to see this open house. So, you know, some lunatics are like, say the house is worth 200, just to pick a number. And somebody's offers 270. I mean, yeah, they think they're going to win, but it's got to appraise. So, that's that's the problem. And not only, it doesn't have to appraise because they're coming to the cash with the difference. 87% of them are are not cash. 87% of sales. No, 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 no. No, I mean, if the appraisal comes in less, like $50,000 less, they are coming to the table with the difference. Yeah, if they have the cash. But if they're offering two seventy dollars and they're financing it, where are they coming up with that fifty grand? they are getting a gift. They're taking it out of their 401k (laughs) or they're depleting their savings. I'm telling you, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just telling you what's going on. They're robbing a bank. Uh, All right. right. So the next question is, um, we bought a house from the seller and he is carrying the note for five years. 
Now we want to refinance it. What should we do? This is actually the thing that we get every once in a while about rent to buy, where somebody actually is holding a note and they're paying this person. And then that's all according to how that's written out. Does some of that payment goes towards the purchase or not? And now they held the note for five years and they want to buy it. So they they bought the house and he's carrying the note. They got to get a they mortgage. They're lender. not refining. Yeah. They got to get a mortgage. Well, it is. I mean, yeah, it depends on the everything should be. Good. Well, it should. The house should be in their name. If there's a note. Right, it's going to be a refinance because the house is in their name. Deed and That's title is true. in That's is true. in their name. If, they, if there's a note, right? Yeah. If there so is there's a note. so they can refinance. They just have to call me, and we'll take care of it. But yeah, you need to go through a lender, get a mortgage, right. get a title company, and hopefully five years ago, five years ago they right. agreed on a price. No, they just have to pay the note. Because now the it's a refinance. You're still thinking of the rent to buy. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, no I'm confused today. All right, so what should you do? Bottom line is contact a lender, do a refinance, and make sure you have a copy of the note. Question number five, is a subletter right. who, di- who didn't sign the lease entitled to the security deposit if they paid half and the leasee paid the half? Leasee, no. No. This happens all the time. This is boyfriend, girlfriend, 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 boyfriend, boyfriend. They move in, friends together. One of them signs the lease, the deal. Until and then not. all of a sudden they have a fight. One leaves because the other one's partying all night. <laughs> Whatever reason. <laughs> and then they want half of the security deposit. No, it's the one with the name on the lease. The less, right. uh, And the lessor is going to pay who's on the lease. That's it. And the other one's screwed. Now they, they can go they can go to court and they can plead to your honor, but your honor is going to look at the lease and say, "Wait a minute, you're not even on this lease," and and that'll cost them right. an extra couple of grand. And so, and yeah, and it's tough too because and all of that happens. This well, happens all the time. Utilities, I all, all the, the time. time. This happens. It's, it's crazy. I, I know yeah. of a situation right now where somebody thinks they uh, they're part owner of the house, and I know they're not on a mortgage. Right. That goes back to what I was saying last week. But they think they are. Well, you know what thought did. Yeah. (laughs) But that goes back to also make it know who you're moving with, know who you're dating, get a credit score. Yeah, but this this always happens down the road. (laughs) You know, this is like they do this together when everything's hockey dory, and then when things go south a year from now, right, or two years from now, this is when this happens. I know you're right. And but in Philly, were, man, in Philly, they might be putting up six grand. Who knows? Yeah, you know? exactly. Oh, man, that would be terrible, right? If I gave you three grand and I didn't sign anything and then you were like, see ya. Yeah, you should have legal shield. Yeah, you should have, have. Legal <laughs> shield review everything before you go giving people money. But we're such good friends. I totally trust them. Yeah. And now <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> Anyway, I've I've seen lots of them over the boyfriend, girlfriends over the years. Anyway, that was a good, there were some good questions. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here. Uh, What's coming up next? Coming up next is going to be our topic of the day, which is generational disruption. Yeah. Disruption. Sounds like like a short topic. (laughs) Yeah. 
So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All positive all the time. We'll be right back. Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland is proudly being provided by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more in a moment, but first, a message from one of our home team partners, Green Tree Mortgage. How much do you qualify for? Ask Deanne now at mortgagemom.net. All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on 1210 WPHT, all positive, all the time. So we're at the end. So, Mark, we're up to our topic of the day, which is generational disruption. I thought this was interesting. I read this article. Boomers, it's all about boomers and millennials. The divergent views of where they live, work, play increasingly impacts the property markets. The baby boomers, the generation of approximately 74 million are still left. They were all born between 1946 and 64, so I was right after that group, uh, is, now, sure. is now smaller than the millennial generation of some 80 million, born roughly between 1980 and 1997. A significant number of today's <clears throat> real estate decisions, as well as those connected to the workplace, consumer spending, are made by people under the age of 40. Yet the boomers, too, remain engaged continue as productive members of the workforce in increasing numbers far beyond the traditional retirement age of 65. A lot of them are still working because if they retire, they die. They're starting to understand that. I keep telling people, (laughs) you can't retire, you'll die. Anyway, millennials are moving into management positions and looking to raise children and own homes at the same time that the boomers are seeking to downsize or age in place. The generations are crossing paths everywhere, in the workplace, in housing, at the local bar and grill, intersecting and sharing spaces despite their often uh, disparate priorities when it comes to the built environment. Studies projected that millennials will ultimately behave in a fashion similar to the boomers, but do so 10 years later. The generation is characterized, now we're talking about millennials, leading a more transient, experience-oriented lifestyle in their 20s, marrying, having children, and buying homes in their 30s as opposed to their 20s, like the boomers, living in the city before moving to the suburbs, which is a new trend, or rapidly emerging urban burbs in search of larger, more affordable homes and better schools. And the boomers, on the other hand, are exhibiting behaviors often associated with millennials, transition into a more transient experience-oriented lifestyle, like you, zooming back and forth from Florida to Philly. <laughs> so much fun. I'm talking about Kat Cyrus here, man, <laughs> selling their homes, renting them in the same buildings as the young generations, <laughs> hanging in the bars, abandoning the suburbs for city living, <laughs> or choosing the urban-like locations a bit further out. So real estate developers, investors, owners, builders, they need to understand that not only the location preferences of each group, but the design, the amenity features of the housing units, whether rental or owner occupies, one size will not fit all. And supply will need to be matched rapidly with the changing demand. In the coming years, boomers will be looking for aging options, amenities, while millennials 
with an ingrained reliance on social media, we'll, prior, we'll prioritize networks, offering product knowledge, immediate online access to goods and services. So at work, boomers tend to favor the traditional office design of the earlier generations, on-site work environment, structured schedule. Millennials now entering the workforce in large numbers prefer collaborative office designs, flexibility and where when they work, especially after the COVID. Particularly interesting is the new dynamic which places these diverse interests side by side. While employed by baby boomers, they tend to be because they tend to be the decision makers in the workplace because they're older. A shift is underway as millennials literally climb the ladder. No longer to the corner sweep, but to the standing desk in the middle of the open uh, office arena with a private wellness room, exposed kitchens and snack bars. <laughs> the challenge for the builders and landlords, owners, tenants alike will be in finding an acceptable design to balance that appeals to the contrasting audiences that they serve now and in the future. So it's kind of interesting as the millennials get older, they're all becoming the boomers. <laughs> and as the boomers get older, older, they're becoming the millennials. That's I funny. thought that was a very interesting topic. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But the one thing in there, you can't retire. I just heard of two more stories that people couldn't wait to retire. Plans are grandeur, going to go golfing every day, going to do this, going to do that, and do that stuff for about six months, and then now what? And then something in your body changes, and you die. That was you so warm and fuzzy, ever. Mark, the way you said that. That was great. I know. That was warm and fuzzy, but I'm, I just keep yeah. going to those funerals that everybody that was going to go, oh, I'm just going to go fishing every day. Oh, yeah. And about three months later, they're sit- sitting there around uh, – Crocheting. All right. So coming up next is going to be <laughs> crocheting. I actually say crocheting. <laughs> All right. So we are up to our segment with asking Dr. A. And today we're going to talk about maximizing your team. And we're going to talk about the disc wheel. We already did the, uh, the D, the I, right, Dr. A. And now we're going to continue with the S. That is correct. Yeah, Dr. Abelson, that was a good topic last week. So last week we talked about the I and the D personality on your wheel. So tell us about the bigger group of the population, the S and the C. Well, it's interesting. What what happens with the wheel itself is depending on where you're on the wheel, obviously, as I said last time, it tells us whether you're going to be people-oriented uh, and and. Uh, and have an external view, which is your I, or are you going to be task-oriented with an external view, which is your D. Now, what we're going to talk about is what happens when you are more introspective and you operate more from what's within you. Uh, that's what you have with somebody who is an S behavioral style because they focus on the people and they are more uh, internal. So they get more into gut type of things as far and, and heart types of things as far as how they feel about people. Uh, they're much more sensitive to, to nonverbal cues regarding how other people feel. Uh, they're much, they, they typically are much better listeners. Uh, if they need to time out what they do, or if there's a, a, a conflict or something that goes on, they typically don't like to deal with conflict. So, so they'll take a time out and then come back later that day or another day to talk about it and, and to deal with the issue. What happens with the S's is they are typically more steady, 
uh, and they like to work on one or two things at a time and get them done. The very opposite of the D, which is task-oriented with an external focus because they like competition. They like to deal with conflict. They like moving quickly. Right Now, when we look at the Cs, what happens there is they're also more internal, which is different from introverted, but they're, they're also more internal, but they're from a task perspective. So they're more cognitive. They're more operating from, from the head internally. So that's where the detail comes from. That's where the need for quality comes from. That's where the questioning and being more pessimistic about things come from. The really cool thing is when you plot everybody on your group or your team on this wheel, you can see how they're going to behave. You can see what behaviors you're missing. You want to have the D, the I, the S, and the C because they each bring strengths to the relationship and to the team. You need to have the S's there to get things done. You need to have the C's there to challenge what's going on and to get into the detail and to share with you the information and the detail, along with the D's that are competitive and like to move forward quickly and like to make decisions, along with the I's who bring energy to the group and who are uh, much more optimistic uh, and, uh, and much more fun-loving. So each of the four styles brings something, but when we look at the wheel, we can see what you're missing in your team. We can see what you have overabundance in your team. We can see what the culture of the team, we can see who's being stressed and who isn't being stressed and who gets along with somebody and who doesn't get along with somebody just from their position on the wheel. Because if you're somebody who's a very intense D and somebody else is very intense S through different parts of the wheel and they behave differently and they sometimes don't get along very well because they see the world different and the behavior. Right. So, and the important thing about this is like it, you don't want like if you were doing a team that's doing a lot of marketing, like the banks have turn, tons of turnover because of this. They put these S's and yes. C's in positions where they're making cold calls to people they don't know about right. some loan program right. or whatever, and they're stressing them out. And right. then six to nine months out, they 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 had enough. Now, if you would have, they're gone. If yeah, they if you would have put so what yeah, happens if you would have put them in a position where they were doing something else and they felt helpful and, and they understood the yes. why, then they're on board. Yes, absolutely. If for a job like that, you want somebody who's a fairly intense eye, you know, because it's okay if they get rejected. It's okay if they hear no, they just come back again, they're optimistic. So if you want to learn more about this, uh, or if you want to contact us, it's just real easy. It's my email is abelson, A-B-E-L-S-O-N at abelson.net, or just go to our website, www.abelson.net, and we can help you. You'll be amazed what we can Very do good. for you. All right. And Thank you, Dr. Abelson. And if you have any questions, you can email Mark at 8029 at comcast.net, or give him a call at 267-266-266. 5501. You can also email me at Deanne Katsaris at Comcast.net or give me a call 609-605-7153. And a special thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in every Saturday at one o'clock here on Talk Radio 1210 and for our sponsors for keeping us on the air. And we're looking for two sponsors to join our group in 22. And you can listen to this show and past shows at goodnewsandrealestate.com. So with that, have a great week. I'm Mark Cumberland. I'm Deanne Katsaris, your mortgage mom. You've been listening to Good News and Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All, all positive, positive all, all the, the time. time. 
Thanks for listening to Good News in Real Estate, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.